Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello everyone and welcome to Straight White Whale, this is episode 90, hope you enjoyed that tune, it's very hot today, we're keeping it professional and we're going to start the podcast off with an ad read and Paul's going to do that for us. Thanks, professional. Thank you. So this week's sponsor as usual is uh, Alan Argue, so Argue and Co-Legal are a Glasgow based law firm and their offices are in George Square. They can assist you with most legal issues, but if they can't, they'll point you in the right direction. So no matter what you need assistance with, give them a shout. Their main area of expertise is personal injury claims. So if you have been in a car accident, injured at work, fallen down a well, or bitten by somebody's pet, 
they'll be able to get you the maximum compensation you deserve. The main difference between arguing co-legal is uh, from the other big law firms that you see in the TV and radio is, is the level of customer services. Now, Alan's just helped me through a, a car accident that I was in, and it was absolutely outstanding. Um, they are approachable, they're genuine, they'll treat you like friends and family, and they'll keep you up to date with your case. Uh, they are generally cheaper than other firms, but they also do no win, no fee. So if you have been in an accident or if you think that you've got a claim, contact them on 0141-378-4145. All of their information goes along the bottom of the screen. You can get them on Facebook, Instagram, and they've got a website, which is argueandco.co.uk. That's A-R-G-U-E-A-N-D-C-O.co.uk. And listen, guys... If you enjoy this podcast, which, you know, I see the download numbers. I know there's thousands of you every week. Please help support our Patreon. It's £5 a month. It's less than a Starbucks coffee. Right at the moment, I would say that me and Darren, we managed to keep the lights on. Would you agree with yes. the Patreon? But listen, we are capitalists like the rest of you, so we want more money. Please go to your Patreon. You'll get an extra podcast twice a month. You get the podcast 24 hours early when I've not got my heat up Mars. And if you want to support me and Darren and what we do, it's £5 a month, patreon.com forward slash straight white wheel. Thank you very much, Paul. And also when I'm running Funny Bunch gigs, there'll be like, you know, free tickets and discounted tickets and stuff. You're all done more shows up there. Yes, numerous benefits of the podcast. Anyway, let's cut to the chase. We have a handsome devil in the studio today and it isn't us for a change, Paul. It's uh, slightly intimidating, but it's like the handsomeness level has went up a notch. Mm -hmm. Have you seen AI? AI? <laughs> <laughs> you kind of look <laughs> like Fucking a... <laughs> a robot baddie. <laughs> <laughs> but can I just start off by saying... The lawyer is called Alan Argue. Yes. That's fucking brilliant. By a lawyer with a surname. That that's like the guy who was a um who was a big cancer cheat. What's his name? The cyclist. Um Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. His doctor was called Nick Ferrari. So I just thought I just thought that was kind of quite a funny name for like a doctor doing uh, doping for you know, making Lance Armstrong faster. So to have a lawyer, I, I wouldn't want anyone else apart from Alan Argue. Well, we can give you David Smith today. But I want Alan Argue. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say like Thomas Cancer or something like. If he was a uh, uh, yeah, uh, worked on the beats and that, you'd be like, I don't want him. I don't want. Him. I don't want him. I'll take Nick Ferrari instead. No, Nick Ferrari's on LBC, uh, but the guy was called Doctor Ferrari. I always think there's funny. There's quite funny guys out there or women out there. With funny names for their job. So yeah. we just done an extra wee plug for. Uh, for he asked me to do that before I came on. <laughs> the bold. By the way, I just also want to say I've never heard anyone describe a car crash as outstanding. The money that went into my bank was fucking outstanding, I can tell you. <laughs> Sorry for derailing this already, but do you know the most... Glaswegians are very similar to uh, Scousers, aren't they? Yes. They're, they're probably a bit more Scouser than us. But uh, I know a guy from Liverpool who's <laughs> told me that he went on an organised bus crash in Liverpool. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he was all, he went he was like yeah that's right we were all on the bus and like one of the fellas he was driving his car and like he was getting more money than us but we would all put a claim in and they were all on this so like the car was still like fucking crash into the bus fuck off and like they were to get all get a claim on the bus and all that man wow brilliant that's actually very smart I mean I know you shouldn't do it <laughs> but, <laughs> but it just it was just like fraud but on an industrial scale <laughs> do you know what I mean somebody obviously went I said we need to upscale this one of these 10x growth thinkers are <laughs> obviously right we'll, do, we'll 10x growth this right <laughs> getting a dog's coach and we'll fucking do it <laughs> sorry right anyway that's me I'll go now no not at all it feels really good to be in the studio today we've had a wee stuttery kind of week because of the weather and Paul's really busy as well so I appreciate you coming in James it means a lot no problem Um. I don't know if you've ever watched the podcast before, but it won't be the usual, you know, do you know Billy Conley or that kind of shit. It's just us having a laugh. We'll talk about your life, gigs, what you've got coming up and all that type of stuff. 
You up for it? Lovely, can't wait. Thank you very much, mate. So how is life anyway? You all right? Life's really good. Uh, it's always better when it's sunnier. So it's, uh, we're experiencing a, a heat wave in Glasgow. So all, all you can hear anyone say like your dad's, it's rid hot. Rid, it's rid hot. Absolutely rid hot. <laughs> Too hot. Uh, uh, just rid, rid hot. No, it's rid hot. Like, can, you, can you not just say red? I don't think you ever say red. I've never heard you say red Aye. any other time. But uh, no, life's good. Uh, just finished the, the fringe, which was... Which was excellent. Um, good experience. Probably a bit underwhelming, I, th- I thought. Maybe really? I, for me, I, I, I kind of, one, I thought it was easier than mm-hmm. a lot than I expected. Uh, I was coming back from and forward from Glasgow every day, so maybe I wasn't able to immerse myself in, you know, like the kind of, the sort of camaraderie of it all, you know, when the comedians are all, come from all over the world and they're all staying in Edinburgh for that month and, you know, they're all running about. Whereas you're fucking like, I need to get the train up the road now, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I was maybe felt it a bit underwhelming from that point of view. And maybe I just expected too much. I got there and I was like, right, where's my medal? What's fucking, yeah. where's my TV contract, motherfuckers? What's happening? It's just shit. <laughs> uh, so I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the grind of it, actually. I mean, I enjoyed performing, but I really enjoyed doing the flyering. I enjoyed trying to come up with content and doing all that stuff. So no, life's life's good, man. Life's, yeah. life's really good. You've got to be positive. I'm a very positive guy. That was your first fringe? Was. Was yeah. my first fringe. Um, and I believe... This this is the thing I don't you'll be able to tell me as well. It's great to go in and you realise, actually, a lot of this is a lot of shite. Mm-hmm. And now when I go again, really focus on taking what you want out of it. Because a lot of times in life you will do things for other people or yeah. validation or what you think you want out of it as opposed to you don't think what do I actually want out of this so you know you're wanting a bit of validation you're wanting reviews you're wanting stars you're wanting people to go oh he's great and then actually you know then you start to pick away to like anything in life and you realise ah right you didn't pay three grand to a PR agency so the chance of you getting reviewers in is going to be less and it's that's not creating this kind of excuse culture or this angst towards people that have paid for it it's just you start realising the game is the game. Yeah. And somebody told me, did you do an hour? And I went, aye. They went, oh, fucking. Um, Susan Adele said that to me, actually, who is, for me, one of the soundest, if not the soundest person in Scottish comedy. But for yourself, obviously. <laughs> but uh, she's fucking brand new. Just a really, just an amazing person. Really funny. Um, she was like, aye, if you do an hour, that's you debuted at the Fringe. So that's why people go to the Fringe for six years and they're doing 45 minutes length and show. So by the time they've practised well for their seventh year, they can get all that to win Best Newcomer. Get the fuck, man. Just, I want to just go and do it for my own happiness now and try and take what I can get from it and, and, and have an idea about what I'm going to do next time. So I've already fucking planned what I'm doing next year because I think I am just going to do it entirely for me this time as opposed to what I was doing there Probably wanted to go. I thought I was going to go and win it. I, f- I f- thought like I was going to the Champions League. I'm like, I get a lucky draw. Going to win the fringe. Uh, if I, listen, I can get, if I can sneak through the group, right? Get a lucky draw. I can scrape my way into the last 16 and it's all to play for for there. I appreciate your honesty there, by the way, because it is, it is true. Paul was up at the fringe as well quite a lot. Did you bump into each other? No. Well, I never saw you at this, my show, Paul, but fine. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what. If you did listen to the podcast, you I did I really wanted to come and see your show, but I had a half six to half seven every day, and I'm sure you clashed. No, I was on at half one, mate. So well, well listen, I'll tell you what. You've also done me up because that's that thing where you were like, Dan, do you listen to the podcast? And I was about to go. I was about to tell a line. I, I genuinely don't tell lies. I'm, I'm if anything annoyingly honest you know what I mean so I've always found yeah better just be honest and like nah, nah aye, I've, listened to, I've listened to the, I think basically all the clips on TikTok mad yep, for all them that's fair enough so mate. then you were on at half one I had a day where I was at the fringe for the full day ah. and I had a recording one to half two and I was desperate to come and see your show because I was going to say like you were saying it was underwhelming and I think it's this is really interesting because life's just about perception and my perception was your fringe run was a rip-roaring success because I follow you on social media. Uh, so your social media was perceiving like, this has been great. What an experience. I've loved it. And I would have never picked up that you found it underwhelming. But so, that made me want to come and see your show. See, uh, because of the, I'd seen the reviews, I'd seen what people were saying. It was selling out. I was like, fuck, man, I really want to go and see James's show. Um, but unfortunately, a bit like yourself, mate, I was going in and out 
and that yeah. was by design. I can't be fucked with hanging no, about. No, it's too. It also as well. It's hard. It's a hard. It's a hard shift hanging about. I didn't see a lot. Of, I don't really like comedy in general, to be honest. You know, people go out to me. Oh, what's your favourite? Who was your favourite comedian and all that? Where am I? Uh, uh, Peter K. Do you know what I mean? There's no Billy Connolly. I've never watched a, a fucking Billy Connolly set. I've never even watched a full Kevin Bridges set. I think I've watched ten or fifteen minutes. I watch the clips. I'm no. I'm no into it. By and large, I went and saw the most comedy I've seen at the Fringe in the summer. I saw eight shows. It was, it, I really enjoyed yeah. going to see it. Uh, Stephen Buchanan's show was brilliant. Joe McTiernan's show was brilliant. I saw Maggie Crane, a girl who's got her own show about her brother who's got disability, had cerebral palsy uh, when she was younger uh, and he passed away. It was a really good show. But, um, but going back to the underwhelming thing, I very much enjoyed it, but I couldn't help but come away going, Aye, was that it? But again, it's that thing. If you build something up, if you're expect, if you're expecting something else out of it, and you don't get it, then you can come away, and it's that thing comparing despair with somebody else. Not looking at it and go, fucking hell, yeah. it's a brilliant fringe. I sold just over seven hundred tickets, probably about another hundred and thirty on top of by the walk-ups after that, you know, for flying. So I've I, the, the show got some really nice reviews and feedback. That's brilliant. Uh, audience, I got loads of audience reviews. I think over forty audience reviews. Uh, women for LBC came to see it. She was like, it's brilliant. Uh, somebody's asked me to take it to Norwich Theatre because wow. it's always been my dream to take it to Norwich Theatre. <laughs> Aha! Um, and Is that the, true? <laughs> no, I've been mean, asked right, to take it right, to okay. Norwich, Norwich Theatre. Listen, I thought you were doing a Brendan Rodgers. Partridge, there, like. Anne Partridge, Chris Sutton, I will be there on the <laughs> Norfolk Broads, born in a wheelchair. Absolutely. But Daryl, it was never a penalty. Um so some really positive things <laughs> happened. I'd wheelchair therapist come to see it. We're like, wow, great show. The title yeah. intrigued me. I had lots of people who, who's because the show's called Born in a Wheelchair, obviously, and it's about my life and my brother's disabled. And I had, I had people who were disabled, uh, siblings of disabled people, parents of disabled people, um, carers coming to see it who were just like, I can relate to so much of it. So there was so many positives, but I think the fringe as a whole... I was kind of like, ah, right. And also, a lot of comedians are assholes, man. <laughs> yeah. And if you're listening, I'm talking about you. <laughs> Darren, like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 just one big egotistical content. And I'm part of that. Like, I'm not, I think yeah. you've got to have the self-awareness that, yep, I'm part of it too. Uh, I definitely wanted to get critical reviews and all these other things, but I kind of <clears> found a lot of it, just like a lot of shit. And also... I'm always suspicious of fucking hundreds of comedians that only hang about with other comedians. I think, where's your fucking real mates? Yeah, that's true, mate. <laughs> I mean, not, not bashing people. I, I just, I feel like an outsider in comedy. So yeah. I, I kind of, I suppose that probably comes comes from that. Because mm. actually there's a lot of just really, really nice people there. I understand it, but I, I just feel like a wee bit of an outsider as well. No, I totally get what you're saying, mate. Like, I've been in the game a long time and it's quite weird when you bump into people now like 14 years down the line and I, I remember how they treated me when I was an open spot in a green room like treat, probably bullied yeah. me mm -hmm. or, or tried to bully me but now you have a wee bit of success Darren it's good to see mm -hmm. you and in my head I'm like are you fucking unhinged very contrived yeah and I think for me so I worked as a TV producer started off as an assistant producer at Satanta I was a producer there, so I was at Satanta for five years. I also worked as a DJ for seven to ten years in Glasgow. So it's a you're in very similar environments where there is obviously a clear hierarchy. You know, you've got on-screen talents, producers, and nightclubs. You've got the owners, you know, managers, DJs, bar staff, bounds, all that sort of stuff. So there's there's a hierarchy of all these things, and um, whether you like it or not, and and I've seen all that, so I find it really contrived. Enough. There's loads of football managers that we would have in at Satanta, ex-players. And, you know, we would get to have a drink with them afterwards. We'd drink in the conference room for hours with them. And some of them, I was talking to somebody about this this morning, some of them are just amazing people. Craig Brewster, fucking gentleman, you know. But guys like John Robertson, ex-Hearts manager, was fucking rude. What an asshole. Yeah. You, you know, you'd all be sitting around a, a table. There'd all be about 12 of you. The production team we had was about five or six. You know, you'd have maybe Rob McLean, fucking commentator, Scott Booth, you know, the producer... I was sitting at the table and John Robertson no time for anyone that wasn't important. Mm. So you'd only want to talk to the exec producer, you'd only want to talk to Rob, you'd only want to talk to the, the big hitters. And that, you, that was a common theme, you always would see that 
in that sort of environment. But the people that would come in and treat everyone the same stand out like a like a sore thumb. Yeah. And I think that's very, that's really evident because again, you know, I think a lot of comedians like people. There's a lot of insecurity there, yeah. and I think that come. I think that comes out, and uh, it's hard not to because you've got to regulate yourself all the time, make sure you don't fall into the same trap, and you're, you're trying to be as positive and helpful with with anyone. And, yeah. I, and I, I think that's why I see myself as a wee bit of a an of, an out, of an outsider. Maybe he's an outsider, Paul, because he doesn't look like a fucking goblin. <laughs> I think it's because I can have a conversation with folk in real life. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I, I'm fucking sorry I'm not into WWE wrestling. I'm fucking sorry about that. <laughs> sorry I was at playing football. That, that's yeah. the thing. It's I, I find that there's what I would call, you kind of made reference to it, a wee bit of bullying. It's like an inverted bullying is what, is what I feel because what, what I, and I'm generalising here, right, but there are people who typically come from the, the, the peripheral of their school system or their childhood, so they've kind of been a wee bit of an outsider themselves. That's where a lot of their observational angst and genius comes from, years of kind of, right, being, you know, fucking last pick or on the sidelines or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you get into comedy and then they find themselves because it's everyone, oh, I listen to, I listen to uh, music on vinyl. Oh, do you? Aye. Oh, fucking wow. Right? Yeah. There's nothing more pretentious than going into a record shop these days. I mean, my, my older brother's got cerebral palsy, and I've been playing his records, vinyl, since I was fucking five years old. Yeah. And we played vinyl, cassette tapes, CDs, mini discs, and now we're back to fucking vinyl. He would go to his carers. We'd have to give all this vinyl away. We'd get a garage full of it, and then he'd go to his carers to charity shops and buy all the vinyl back, and we'd be like, Alexander, fucking hell. So I just find it really funny now. I went into a, a vinyl shop in Edinburgh to get him something for his birthday, and it was the most pretentious fucking. It was like it was like that film, you know, with Jack Black and um, High Fidelity. High Fidelity, where they're all snobs. And I thought, saying, mate, you've got Foo Fighter albums and all that. You're, you're not fucking. You're, this is not. I think they. I think they did the Harry Styles compilation. And I thought, saying, yeah. no, that you're not that cool. So yeah. I kind of feel that what happens is, I become the outsider. And you're almost kind of sort of scorned a little bit because you're not into fucking WWE and cause, like I've grown up playing amateur football, so you assume instant friendships with people. It could be false, but you meet somebody once, play football with them for five minutes, I fucking love you, mate, let's do the night, know that <laughs> fucking night. Yeah. Whereas you do gigs with someone for six months in a row and then you walk in and go, how's it going? And they're just like that. Yeah. So, but again, a lot of that comes down to yourself and feeds off your own insecurities and then what you do is you kind of lash out a wee bit to, to deal with it. So I just go, ah, you're all fucking, you're all outsiders yourselves, man, I'm the insider. <laughs> well, uh, you know, here. <laughs> Sorry, I, mate. I, no, it's all right. I'm just Big like, banjo just, to bash people in here, mate. I was like, you've just fucked my whole career, but it's cool. <laughs> uh, no, it's like, uh, you walk into a green room. I remember I went into a green room once and I went to fist bump someone that I didn't know. And she was like, no. I'm like, all right, you've just started first introduction in front of a room full of comedians. Oh, was it on stage? No, it was oh, oh, in the green room. room. Aye, aye. So I was oh. like, that's the first thing yeah, of the whole night and you've just fucked the whole night. Aye. But I, I decided to like, normally that would scramble my mind. Aye. But I was like, no, no. Kill, kill with kindness, kindness that's what I do I, but, but in my head I was like I want to eat a fucking full lemon meringue pie uh, on a bus I was in uh, I was in a gig <laughs> in, in, in March for a gig and uh, there was the, the MC and the comedian who said to look when they were in and then the two of them literally just sat and had a conversation and I was staring at the wallpaper genuinely I was trying to I think the wallpaper was patterned so I was actively trying to read the wallpaper and I was like I, eight minutes they've been and then I just I'm just going to get stunned next to the sound yeah so it does it does happen but again it's just it's a really funny thing the older you get the more I suppose you become aware of these things and I think the more comfortable you be, you become in your own skin the older you get and sometimes you just don't need to wear it with a wee bit of a wee bit of false bravado to get you through it but I think that's I think that's everybody we all need a little bit of that to, to survive because we're all quite vulnerable I think inside did you experience that in the music industry, Paul? Um, specifically what? Like, like people being cunts? Higher, hierarchy oh, stuff? Aye. Fuck, man. Aye. You kidding? 
I could tell you multiple stories of people being fucking dickheads and you're like, ah, mate, you're playing in King Tut's, like, you fucking uh, get a And then be nice yourself, the man. moment somebody more important was in the room. Oh, of course, I like, there's a guy that, he's a, he's a legend, like, he's a really great guy. Um, I've also, like, see, I've also benefited for that hierarchy as well, you know, like, you get benefits, like, you're in, you're in with them. Mm-hmm. I've been on the outside and the inside, yeah. like, through, like, I've played in the band for 10 years, so there's points where I was in points when you're out and you just kind of get to realise that the meritocracy that is supposed to exist in these things doesn't actually exist I think when you get to the higher echelons you know you're talking about like bridges and that these guys are undoubtedly fucking amazing at what they do and, and you won't get to the hydro unless you're of a certain calibre of comedian musician whatever right but seeing that sort of low level these are all sort of fighting for positions and blah 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 the, the meritocracy really you, you need a pal it's a and I hate that saying like it's about who you know 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 what you know. I'd seen some guys that were fucking way more talented than other people. No got opportunities because they're no pally. Yeah. With the guys in that this guy I was talking about, Dave McGeekin, he would come into all the touch shows. People would be like, oh, Geech, oh, and you'd be like, ah, why do you care? Like why are you why why are you sit like why are you sitting no speaking to anybody like. Turning your nose up at people, and then the second that you see somebody that you think's important, you're like pure. Oh, come and speak to me. I'll I'll be your pal. The be- the actual best thing for you today is just be yourself. See if mm. you're just just be yourself around people. Don't I be addicted to people. I think that's where the. But I think that's what happens in life is uh, that's where the confusion comes from because we're not born to disbelieve people. So if somebody tells you they're a good person, you think, "No, they're a good person." How do you know that? Well, they say they're a good person. So. Particularly, it's more prevalent with comedians because they go up and have a, a persona on stage. So if they go up and say, I'm this and I'm that and I'm a good person, I'll help anyone. Or the persona is online or on Facebook or on Instagram, people say, oh, I'm a dead helpful person, I'd help anyone. And the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So you think, no, that must be true. And then what happens is they'll behave in a different way and you go, I know, that's really strange. Cause they, and that's just what happens and that's what happens in life. That's the kind of sociopathic tendency that people certain people have, they just go, if I just keep saying, I'm a nice person, people go, no, no, they're a nice person. People would always say, I used to always work with people that would go, I'm a dead hard worker. And then everyone else would just repeat it. Uh And then you'd be like, you're a lazy bastard. (laughs) So people listening to this right now, I guarantee will be thinking, fuck, this person in my work is is that person. Because everybody... I think social media has made it worse because it's made it more about what you say and know what you do. Like, see if you're going to judge a person's character. You get people out there that will be like, oh, I'm not very good. Or like, oh, I'm a bit of an arsehole. And they tend to be the nicest people that you'll meet because judge them on their actions. Because if they do good things, they're a good person. No, if they go, oh, I'm great. And it's like, well, I, I would much rather just watch somebody and observe them than listen to what they say. But I think social media has made it more about what people say. Um, I think like... We're all Celtic fans in the room, right? Like TikTok Todd was on Instagram, his Instagram stories being like, it's more about actions and words, but blah, 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 blah. And, it, and it's like, with the, see all of that? That's meaningless what you have just put out there. It's see like, if you go and just act the way that you say that you want to act, like people respect you. You won't get respect by saying that you're something that you're known and then proving that to people by the yeah. way that you act. If you know what I mean? falls, does anyone hear it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I love how this is like you know I don't know. So anyway, the fringe was good, right? Aye, the fringe was good. Do you know what I did notice, mate? And and you know I don't know if you really want to talk about it, but there seemed before the actual show got gone, you seemed to get a bit of backlash. There was a lot of people like, and I'll I'll be honest, like I had a wee look through one of the posts. Just one person. And it, I was going to say, it just seemed to be like one person in particular, mm-hmm. but people were, were a wee bit, they got a wee bit of a fucking bad smell off of, I think, the title of the show, man. It's like, it was such well, a weird thing to, to watch. Well, I think uh, the, the person, so there was, there was, I'm not going to name the person because he's got a right to be upset about anything, as, as most people have the right to take offence to anything that's out there. Uh, the show's called Born in a Wheelchair because, of course, nobody can be born in a wheelchair. It's fucking obviously ironic title. Um, I think that phrase is outdated. People would say, oh, was your brother born in a wheelchair? And like when I was a wee guy, I remember that's what I would say to like, my teachers go, my brother was born in a wheelchair, right? Because I was only seven or eight, I wouldn't know any better. So I thought, oh, that's quite a good, 
a good title, it's interesting, it's intriguing, and there's a kind of a narrative to it. But um, I got a lot of shit from a person, who a, a disabled man who's, a, you know, a, I think he's a PhD graduate, or he's finished his PhD with lectures at colleges, and he's a disability activist and an awareness trainer and all that sort of thing. Uh, he's, he's um, as he would say, he's got quite severe cerebral palsy, that's how he's described it. I met up with him last year, because, you know, he, he asked if anyone was about in the Edinburgh Fringe Forum, and again, I was like, I'll, I'll fucking come and meet you. Um, and, and I got a real, well, a, a, a lot of criticism, but then it, it strayed into personal abuse. You know, he was direct messaging me, saying, I, I thought, you know, when I met you last year, I thought you were a twat, and this and that and the other. And this guy apparently works for Samaritans as well, wow. and runs a Samaritans office. Um, and sending me messages, I'd be getting messages of support, everyone's scared, don't, don't go and bully this person. And, I was like, I don't know who it is, but now you've told me it's a woman, so you, some fucking lawyer you are. So it's very difficult because at one point I didn't even want to do the show mm -hmm. because I thought I've strayed into something here and I'm not a disabled man. And I think his issue was that I was somehow trying to displace a disabled person or I was speaking on a subject I shouldn't be talking about because I'm not disabled. Um, so there was, he said he was going to come and protest and all that and so it was it was it was very very sad in a lot of ways um and i'm upset or i'm disappointed rather that i've triggered anyone because the show is overwhelmingly positive it's got a lot of good messages in there but equally i'm not the adjudicator of what's right and wrong in life and if somebody wants to take offense they've got every right to i just made sure that i, I as i've tried to with, with most things in life i've tried to approach it carefully and uh, with a bit of empathy and trying to understand this person's point of view. But it was also a good learning process because it got to the point where I thought, I'm not asking for permission. At first you do, because you're shitting yourself. You're like, oh, yeah. fuck, is this the right thing to do? And then you get a bit of confidence. And I, I reached out to uh, Lost Voice guy, Lee, yeah. uh, who won Britain's Got Talent. And because um, I, I met him in the street last year at the Fringe, chatting to him. And I I'd, uh, messaged him and asked him his opinion on the, the, the title of the show. Kieran, I messaged as well, Kieran Burns. So... I kind of did what I thought was the right thing, got some feedback from a few comedians, Lee, uh, who's also trained as a journalist, or did his degree in journalism, uh, Darius uh, Davies as well, who's no shy, uh, um, you know, person of interest on Instagram, that's his big dad, do you know Big Darius? Comedian? No, no. He does, he's, he's quite an outspoken guy. Um, he's, so I just took a bit of advice from folk and they were like, listen, it's your story, say your thing, you're never going to please everyone. Yeah. And the age old, as long as you're not punching, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Like, at no point is my brother a punchline to any of the jokes. His disability might be the punchline. His reactions to his disability, people's awkwardness around disability, definitely a punchline. Yeah. People are the punchline. I'm the punchline. A lot of it's about magnets to disability because the whole point of the show is me talking about how I've got, you know, such a close relationship with my brother. I've been profoundly impacted by his disability. I know a ton about my brother, but I actually know fucking next to nothing about disability in general. So kind of message of the show is, if I know nothing, what the fuck do you know? And that's that's the message of the show. So I did get a lot of shit um, from that one person. But again, there's always positive to these things. I learned a bit more. Um, I got some really nice messages of support who were like, what a really nice way to handle that. 
But again, you, you will not always please everyone. So I think that was probably my first true moment <clears throat> of being a comedian, really. You know, where you actually, you're saying your thing, it's upset something, you go, I'm, I'm sticking to it, it's my truth. Yeah. Perf <laughs> perfectly put, mate. And I, I, I mean, I'm like punching down, right? That's me yeah. as well. I've got similar things. Like yeah. I have an <laughs> uncle who had a disability yeah. and I, I joked about that for a while. Yeah never really quite get a laugh yeah sometimes it did but people felt very awkward and quite a lot of people got offended and mm. i was like hold on wait, wait wait a minute this is my lived experience mm -hmm. that was my uncle and yeah. i'm telling you how it happened and i've found <coughs> humor in a sad situation mm -hmm. but sometimes people just don't want to hear it i think for for me the game changer for me were the were the stuff was so I used to always do this particular joke. Did this, you know, when I first started comedy, I think 2019, I kind of was building this part of my fire, and I would always say, because I love my brother, it's a huge part of my life, and I would say, well, the brother Alexander, you know, he's got cerebral palsy, he can't walk and he can't talk. We would still tell him to shut up. We would always get a wee bit of a laugh, and I'd always go, and he'd, a lot of people would be sitting there like that, <laughs> and I'd say, no, it's, it's all right, you can laugh, right? And he's kind of quite weak <clears throat> doing that, and. Uh, a lot of people had told me, again, I don't watch a lot of comedy, so people had told me, uh, my friend Mick McNeil, who you know is a comedian, said to me, you should watch Daniel Sloss's special. His sister has cerebral palsy, or had cerebral palsy. You should watch it. So he talks about his sister dying and that. And I never really wanted, it was too close to home, I thought I'm fucking not watching that. And I kind of got around to watching the special in, in January. And this is a good story, because I can kind of fucking slag some comedians here as well, right? Um, no, <laughs> it, it, so I watched it. And it was life-changing because what he says is he talks about how he tells this joke and people were walking out and he went, I'll tell you the joke. And he's, so it's about his sister. And he says, listen, he said, who thinks here that disability is funny? He says, and he went, I do. I think it's fucking hilarious. And they're like, oh. and he's like, but it depends which side of the line you're on. If you're laughing at somebody for being disabled, congratulations, you're a piece of shit. He's like, but if you're laughing at, Right, the circumstances around it, and he starts getting into it, because because you're not laughing because you think you're meant to take offence on behalf of disabled people because you think that they're weaker than you, and nobody asked you to do that. And I was like life changing light bulb moment, and all of a sudden, between probably between him and talking to Christopher MacArthur Boyd, who I fucking love to bits. I know I've seen I dislike a lot of comedians. I I fucking do love a lot too. Like, I love Christopher MacArthur Boyd. You know, he, he was my neighbour. He's moved now. Um, but I did a gig with him and he went, oh, stuff about your brother's great. And he started telling me about awkwardness and he went, use the awkwardness. If you want it to be awkward in the room, fucking make it even more awkward, right? And then bring the, the relief. So I don't apologise now. I kind of spin it and I really ramp up the awkwardness yeah. for people. And actually, because it's, and then you release it, the tension. And what's, what's funny is everybody in this fucking Scottish comedy game either knows somebody that knows Daniel Sloss, knows Daniel Sloss, or during the fringe, they were all fucking bumping into him in the street everywhere, and I was desperate to meet him. Fucking desperate to meet him. I'd, I'd even DM'd him on Instagram, obviously just because into that folder, you know, like all the ones to fucking yeah, Ange Postacoglu, yeah. I fucking love you, Ange, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tyson Fury, you look at all these, Tyson Fury, Ricky Hart, and Ange Postacoglu, I love you. Um, and I'd sent her just, listen, I just want to say thanks, this is uh, who I am. This is what your thing has done for me. Um, I tried tagging him in a few things. And I'd even mentioned it to people that fucking know him. And I was kind of hoping somebody would go, I'll fucking tell Daniel. Not what, because that's, but that's unfair for me to judge them on that because that's what I would do. But yeah. they don't know what it's like to be a brother to someone with cerebral palsy, whereas Daniel Sloss does, for example. And a really nice moment for me was, during the fringe one day, we were, my girlfriend, we were just hunting up to some other fucking part of the fringe and I actually saw him in the street and I was like, can I just get a word with you for two minutes? And he, again, lovely guy. And I just said, listen, I just wanted to say thanks. You know, this is my show. And he's like, oh, I've seen your posters. Um, and it was amazing. So like that was a, a real breakthrough moment. And uh, I'm sure for, hopefully one day he'll, he'll maybe get to see the show or he'll, he'll get to see my message but it was really nice to be able to say to him this is this is what you have done for me and it was brilliant man really fucking made my Ken that was one of the highlights of my fringe actually and I didn't even get a photo of him but that's that thing everybody feels like they need can I get a picture of me why yeah. document like, like Roy Keane what do you want a picture for yeah what do you want a photograph 
Here, that's good. That's that, a good a, I got a very good Roy Keane impersonation. <laughs> you're good at impersonations, but <laughs> well, you know, I, no, wait a minute. You can't. You're talking up. You're, I'm getting emotional here, here, and then you've just went straight into a Roy Keane voice. You like, should be talking about emotion on a podcast. You know, but, too many players on a podcast. You know, Rio's got a podcast there. Gary, you know the overlap. You know, it was the first time that Gary ever went on the overlap. I can tell you that. Well, that, that, that's fucking all right. That's good. <laughs> Like the story about Slosspot, man. Yeah. I, I, I even, I did a wee, I got a wee feature on BBC News, mentioned it on air, tagged him in it. You'd think somebody would go, ah, listen, mate, I know him, I'll send yeah. that to him. But again, that's unfair. That's me kind of lashing out a wee bit because you're, you're sensitive about that subject. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't really blame Mark Nelson or Christopher McCarthy for <laughs> acting. I don't blame any of them. <laughs> no, but I, actually, just guy. to point out, it actually isn't anyone else's because I also... I didn't ask any of them to do it either. Mm -hmm. And that's a difference. So I think if you get to a point you say to someone, because I didn't want to actually imposition, I don't say, listen, would you mind passing this message on to him? Because um, you're always probably a wee bit scared of the rejection that they might say, oh, listen, I, I don't want to. So I, I maybe, I definitely am doing other people. You just a robbed a couple there. of comedians of their most important moment in their life that they get to take a message to Daniel Sloss. <laughs> 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 Make them feel great about themselves. Really? You want me to pass a message on to Daniel? Okay, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> I love the kind of, that's my type of humour. See the what you were saying about CMB making things awkward. Uh -huh. What you were talking about there, reminded me of a friend it was my brother's mate his name was i won't name him in mm. fact he's a good cunt he'll be all right sean he was on a motorbike accident once mm. and it was really really bad in hospital for like a year and he lost his leg so we all went up all the boys went up to visit him when you could mm. finally get in to see uh. him and it was pretty fucking shocking like to see this guy that was like 20 stone down to 11 stone and you're seeing a guy with a missing leg and i walked in a young guy, visibly fucking shocked. And guess what my brother said? When do you think that will grow back? Aye. But that's it, there's a, there's a Glaswegian <laughs> comfort there. Sean found it funny though. Aye. Well, we, we just talked to, I grew up in Somerset and I met uh, a couple of my mates from Somerset the other night, just talking about like our first holiday, or my first lad's holiday, I was 18, uh, in Ibiza and we were there with a guy, Matthew, uh, who we were pal away. Matthew lost part of his finger in an accident at JJB Sports. Um, when it used to be in Socky Hall Street, you know, down the stairs. <laughs> and because uh, what they used to have to do was climb up, you know, like on the mad kind of Meccano style shelves, you know, they'd yeah, you know, yeah. to, to climb up and slide boxes off. And he'd climb up and he had his ring on, fell, and basically lost his finger there. Oh so everyone used to, be, used to go like, Matthew, fuck you. <laughs> and and we got, who's getting the next round? And I'm like, if you can do that, you can get. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And uh, and it's only you look back and you go, that's pretty ableist, right? But. Um, Again, there's a there's for us, I mean, there are really hard times mm -hmm. with my brother, you know, with hostile social architecture, difficulties getting access, getting support, the stress it puts on my mum and dad's health, my health, my sister, my relationship with my sister, my relationship with my parents, like everything is there's really little support there. But like you just sometimes you can't help but laugh and the the humour's what fucking keeps us going. So like you know, it's like you say, it's not about, <clears throat> it's not about laughing at anyone's disability. And, I, and I've said that, and I've been in this room doing different podcasts where I think about the type of language I've used in the past and the words that I've used, which I think fucking that's, you know, where I think there's still a long way to go where we just use these terms indiscriminately and you think, ah, but I'm not meaning it. And you're like, you wouldn't say that to a disabled person, would you? Mm -hmm. But humour, that is the thing about comedy, isn't it? It's about taking your darkest moment and you will find something that gives you a bit of comfort and solace in it and something funny. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's like the Peter Kay thing, isn't it? You know, when he was lowered into the ground, they were, they were a packet of crisps. Wait, that, that were him. That were our, that were our Peter. Remember yeah. when you talk about the quavers? Yeah, it just, yeah, there's yeah. always something yeah. that you come away and you think, aye, that's, that's funny. And that's a great coping mechanism, especially if you're from Glasgow, because I think there's that kind of yeah. cynic, cynical humour. That is nice, isn't it? Um, how long have we done, Paul? 40 minutes. 40 minutes, so we've got about an hour, because you're gigging tonight at the stand, opening for the first time. Well done, I don't mate. know if I'm opening, but I'm doing 15, so I don't know. Yeah, you're opening, that'll be. I'm sure it is. Fucking great. Opening 15. Great. You buzzing? Eh. Uh, Please say yes. No. <laughs> no. Who, who are you gigging with? Uh, Gareth Much, Jay Lafferty, Ruth Hunter. And one other person. Uh, the headliner. 
So I think Gareth's headlining and Jay's hosting. Yeah. But it might be Ruth that's opening and I might be on the middle. They, they might do a 15 and a 10. I don't know. I don't mm. fucking like it. It's just a great gig to do. I'm yes. not buzzing because you're always a wee bit nervous. You always want to do really well. Um, and that's the thing. I, f I feel that like sometimes you get caught up. Like everyone was like, oh my God, I'm so tired from the friends. I could just want to sleep for a month. I was like, I could go again, to be honest. Not that fucking tiring. Yeah, I noticed that <clears> about <throat> you, mate. You seem, I wouldn't say workaholic, but I'm like, you seem like a grafter, man. Like looking at your <laughs> TikToks and stuff. I'm like, he's Sorry, fucking... I'm, I'm laughing about earlier. When you were like, see people that say they work hard, that's what I was kind of sort of like, I'm a grafter. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, that, it's that thing, isn't it? We've all done it, I've done it too. So all these things, just that's why I can probably recognise it. When you try and make something your personality, so I noticed that people are like, oh God, poor friends, oh my God, I could sleep for a month. And I'd be like, I'll, I'll be honest, mate, I went home and I slept for seven hours and I got up and it was, yeah, I the just like, you know, because there are tougher jobs out there. Selling double glazing was harder. You know, yeah. driving 600 miles a week, getting into somebody's house and being there for five hours, and you're like, fucking hell, is there any chance you could buy these windies? And they're like, and right, and what about if we just took that window out and put that one in? And could you get the new, oh, fucking hell, man, you're like, I've got a new to drive home. And yeah. you would do that six days a week, or doing the shopping channels. That was physically and emotionally draining. So, like, the people that do the fringe and have got kids, fucking hell, man, that's, that, that is a superpower. Yeah. That people that look after their kids, then drive through, do the thing, yeah. go home and be a parent. Fuck me, man. I think it can be different <clears throat> levels of stress. See yeah. when you're at certain venues and they're taking a very unfair cut mm -hmm. and then you need to pay, like you said, like your me. agents and all that or shit. Aye, aye, aye. Like, yeah. you know, but and then by the end of it you're like, wait a minute, this is costing me fucking aye. ten grand. I think I can understand why Definitely. people Aye. get fucked. <clears throat> but did you say your venue took an unfair cut? No, I just, it was expensive. I was two and a half grand for my venue. Ooh. That was old, old. But again, that's the thing. Most people won't, they don't tell you. Nobody wants, because everyone's worried that, because the number one consumer fear is, I know a lot about consumerism, right? The number one consumer fear is that you've been ripped off. And you know what the number two fear for consumer is, consumers is? Is that someone else thinks they've been ripped off. So that's why need to ever really tell you how well they did, how well they didn't do, what they spent. I'll fucking tell anyone. Do you know what I mean? Because I just think, well, somebody needs to buck a trend or, or be honest. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's a lot of money to to do the fringe, even if you're doing the free fringe. But I paid obviously a, a, to a venue just a tonic to be part of their program. It was like two thousand four hundred quid for the for the room for the month. Yeah, they give you obviously a tech door staff all that sort of stuff there's a box office but would I do it again probably not but again I think I generated about uh, for tax man's watching uh, about five grand yeah however you ain't got to take off your venue 400 quid fringe registration fee on top of that 600 quid for posters 200 quid for printing trains 700 quid food. 700 quid for so People, beard to die. People, will you have beard die? <laughs> I've never dyed my, my beard nor my hair. I always get. Uh, I always get no, I in green rooms. Was that, was that? He had oh. his snorting just for men. He snorts it. That's how he, he just toots it. That's just for men. He toots it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do use that Alpicin, you know, the, the caffeine shampoo. Um, it says, leave this in for two minutes. I'm fucking walking about the house with it for fucking an hour and like that. My head's gone numb. Like, Is it growing back yet? Do you think that they're just bullshit? See that um, Alpacin, what's, what's the other one that people get? The, the Good segue, Paul, because we're getting into bullshit claims on consumer products. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. Just the fucking, the last 20 that I'm looking Me, for here. Men and tail. <laughs> now, what's the, what's the, the hormone that cunts take now as well for their fucking hair? And... Oh. Well, with the, on that, I, I get that Alpacin one, right, which is the German one, and it says on the back, um, clinically proven right and that's that's the thing because obviously on tiktok you had dr michael a guy with six seven years worth of medical training and somebody googling like no doctor 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 there's heavy metals in top if i hear heavy metals in there i was like what are you talking fucking acdc toxicity man right and fucking amino acids and listen i think that people i think the democracy of information available to people is brilliant I think that's amazing. Mm. But <clears throat> I've been to university twice. I've got two degrees, right? You've, I put my faith in a framework of academia because there are proper processes in place there. So like when you have a product on the back of a fucking shampoo bottle that says clinically proven, and so you know that there is a claim that's been made because they've then given that to 100 people and they've 
measured it over a month and they've went, whatever the parameters, they go, clinically proven to help hair stimulate follicle growth. You go, fine, right? And then, obviously, we're out of the EU now, but you would see the ECE mark, which means all the different standards that you would have got. So if Britain had standards, Japan, Germany, that's Japan, Japan's not in the EU, but Germany, France, if everybody all had different standards, you then need to sell your product. Fucking hell, how am I going to sell that? to all these different countries, they've all got different requirements, and then the EU came along, created the common market, and that's what the CE meant, yeah. which meant we're all operating to the same standards here. So if Alperson claim that their hair is going to grow back or it can stimulate follicle growth, great. The problem that we're getting into now is that's buying something at a supermarket, so there is meant to be a, a, a confidence for consumers there, because you go, well, I'm going, I'm into Asda, I'm into boots or there's a confidence there the problem that we're getting now is people are on TikTok and fucking Instagram selling a load of shite and there is no qualification there is no one checking these yeah. claims because when I used to work on the shopping channels there were only three or four maybe five shopping channels in the UK right? and that was the time when TV was still pretty big. Internet was not as big for retail. So the Advertising Standards Agency, the ASA, had very strict guidelines. You're not allowed to infer value or equate value. So you can't sell a £10 bag and say, look, this looks like a Louis Vuitton. It costs four, four grand. You would get, you would have to remove the ad in its current format because people would complain because people are sitting at home watching you, right? Making all these spurious claims. But that was fine when Advertising Standards Agency would maybe have 100 people working for them and they're monitoring billboards, uh -huh. TV adverts, shopping channels. How do you do it now when it's switched? Yeah. And there are in the UK millions yeah. of people selling stuff. I think there's a few things that feed into this. Something that you were talking about earlier about comedians and, and like, um, how do I say this without insulting people? It's hard. Just I don't, I read don't, their names out first. I, right? <laughs> I feel, I feel, I feel, I, I don't like, it is a wee bit feeling like punching down because I'm the same as you. I've got two degrees, right? So I'm I've been indoctrinated, right? Mm. The thing about guys like the elite tanning guy, the guy right. that was on getting shit to Doctor Michael, is is that this guy was unable to navigate the academic community. Yes. So now they think they know better. All these people that paid all this money to go and get their degrees, they know fuck all because they've been indoctrinated. But I've read this article on the internet and it's got everything that I need to so, know in it and, and it's almost like, you, I hate to say it like this, but you're dealing with a moron. Well, and so I think... I so think, it's hard to argue with like, I think, you know? I think the thing is, like I, I'm saying I put my faith in, in, in academia because I've been to university, but I'm, it's like me saying I'm a Celtic fan, but I'm not biased. I am biased. I can't be neutral. Of course, I, Because I'm a Celtic supporter. Uh -huh. I can be fair. I can be balanced, but I can't be neutral, uh -huh. right? So I, I've, I've been in university twice. I've got a master's degree. I've got a degree in economics, a master's in business, uh, a degree in economics, master. I just want to say it a few times, right? It's the only fucking value I've had at them. But that doesn't make me more intelligent than someone else. You don't need to go to university to be intelligent, and you don't need to go to university to be well-read or educated. It's just another framework, or it's another part of education. Yeah. So... But what, what it does give you is an understanding of, like Dr. Michael, yeah, but... If you're saying this, you need to have evidence-based facts. And I think where we are now, we've got our stuff on uh, TikTok, for example, selling products like your hair product. This will make your hair grow back. When I was on the shopping channels, I love selling. I think selling's amazing. The, the true art of selling is, is in the academic definition, or one of them is the creation or the transference of value. So it's you, I think there's a famous story about somebody, that, you know, uh, they're looking at a painting, it's a pig swimming, and they're like, ah, fucking no thing. The guy starts explaining, this is the Bay of Pigs, or not the Bay of Pigs, this is this island where all the pigs, you know, swim near Hawaii, and he starts explaining all about this, the, the, how they, they came to take this picture, and where the painting came from, and all of a sudden they've created value that wasn't there before, and they go, oh, I'll fucking buy it. So it's about giving you value that you didn't know that was there through product information and giving you some applications for it, you know what I mean? And that's the problem, is that people are just going... I seen some advert for some Sinjuku or it was for some fucking mushroom extract for the fucking mountains of Himalaya or something like that, right? And I was like, oh, fucking hell. And it was, right, this can help you with your libido. It can help you with your club foot. It can help you with your testosterone. It can help you with an androstone. It can help you. And I was like, yeah, I could see anything. I could see water will help you with all that. 
but is it evidence based? And then what happens is you've got no. We would have, you know, a producer would be on the shopping channels, and you know, you'd have to say, listen, you you might be able to receive some benefits from this. Some of the responses from customers have said, and you could read out testimonials saying we, they have found this. But you're in this world now, where you can buy fake reviews, you can buy social media profiles, and you're into this real murky world, right, where people are selling you things like the cement tablets, right? <laughs> the cement candle. You know what I mean? Well, or the depression candle. We're, we're, back with we're, back, we're back at snake oil, I think, for a lot of things. One of the things that, uh, like, as with you, um, I was a sales guy. For, I mean, I did only broadband and mobile phones. Um, and so I've got a lot of experience in sales. I also have like a bit of a passion for selling. Like I think you if get it's a done real, in the right way. It's buzz. a good. It's a good thing. Yeah. If, if it's done to manipulate people, or, or then it's not good. That's exactly what but I was going to say. But if it's done to create value, then it's it's a great thing. So I think people, you know, that the best example I've got is when we used to do the shopping channels. Uh, you know they they the kind of fancy potato peels. You're the ones that are shaped, um, shaped like a catapult. You know it's like. Um, so you've, you'll have the you have the handle, you'll have yep, the shape yep, like a yep. catapult with the bit going across. We would sell them and you would go, oh, fucking hell, we've got them, can I sell them, right? And we'd shift them at a pound because when we dropped the price to one pound on Bid Up TV, a price drop, dropped it to a pound. The time you added on postage and packaging, six ninety nine, and then one fifty three for the phone call. If you sold something at a pound, it still cost you the best part of a tenner in the end. We'd make six pound off of that, right? So you could afford to sell products under cost. And even if you'd sold them at a pound, right, or 10 quid, we couldn't fucking get rid of them. We'd have, we'd have 300 of them, you'd sell me by Hannah. And this guy came in one day, his name was Charlie McArdle, and he went, I'm going to sell that. I've got a brilliant sale for that. And he told the, one of the production assistants, go to the shop, get me carrots, potatoes, get me dark chocolate, get me a pineapple, get me fucking just loads of vegetable, right? And they set up the big bench. Now, this product had been on days and days in a row. Two and three times a day. So in economic terms, the value was set. And what he did, got the camera, he goes go right in close to him, he's like ready, steady, cook, and he just started whipping everything out with this um, grater. And he started peeling pineapples and carrots and fucking cucumbers and courgettes and dark chocolate. And he started going, you can use it if you're baiting. And all of a sudden, this thing sold out at 19.99 plus your tenner, 300. You just saw the numbers go up. Because somebody came up with a way of selling it, wasn't telling any lies. It just somebody went, "Fuck, that's actually really good. I'll have that." That's selling. Do you know what I mean? But the next day, somebody else goes on and sells it. Ah, oh, this is a good potato peeler, and it's always handy to have one of them. Bang. You know what I mean? So there is a good, there is a good forum for for selling. But I think when you see new on the on the TikTok, you see some people punting things, and it's just celebs are the worst for it. Just so contrived. There's like, yeah. oh my god, this is. I think I seen that lassie for Jordy Shore selling, basically shaking back. Yeah, she because it's I think it's a pound or something like that. She's like, you can get this. It smells like Creed. I was like, what the boxer? Like, and <laughs> no, so like you sprinkle it. Like, so you sprinkle <laughs> right. it on your floor, and then wow. you vacuum it up. And I was like, why? Why? What is, why is this a thing? Why? How much do you think she's getting paid for that? So. Uh, well, this is the thing. I'm I'm quite passionate about all this. Kind of, when I say exposing it, it's like the guy, the big handsome guy, Ollie Locke, who's who was always trying to punt the crypto schemes. Because what they're doing is they and that there's that guy HS Ticky. There's all these guys. What what they're doing is they're kidding on that they're selling a product. So they say they get a group chat. You can walk, look at me. Look at the life I live. I'm in Dubai. I'm always in cars. I'm at the best part. Is I'm a woman. So and I do this from trading uh, crypto and forex. Right. So what to do is. You join up today, it's £50, I'll get you into my group chat, you do a call with me every day, blah, blah, blah. and then what they actually do is, that guy's not making money off, any, commission off anyone's trading, because nobody's earning anything on that, they're getting basically a partner fee from somebody, so there's some broker somewhere going, mate, if you can fucking get 100 people into my database, I can sell that on, that, they'll, they're getting backhanders, so that's how people are making money, so people aren't telling you how they're making the money, like that's the whole point of selling stuff at a pound, if you've got a million followers, if you sell a million things Aye. at a pound, you've made a million. But if yeah. you get a thousand followers, yep. you try and sell a thousand things at a thousand pound. Yep. Um, I completely agree. We, sorry, Dan, so, I've hijacked some, your No, sorry, no. If, if, I've, I've had guys in the studio and I've spoke to guys and it's like, we're millionaires. 
and our course is 1999 and you're like so you're teaching people how to be a millionaire for 20 quid if you could teach somebody how to be a millionaire you wouldn't be charging 20 quid for it mate it just you would be going tell you what I'll teach you for free if they were really Aye. truly believed in what they did I'll teach you for free no, and yeah, I'll take 25% about... of everything that you make that is what I'll do I'm that confident in my ability to teach you how to do this I'll teach you how to do it and then I'll take 25% kind of like Jordan, what Jordan Belfour did Aye, with people he went line. I'll teach you for free how to do this but I get a cut of everything that you make yeah. and I mean you could be like that's, that's a pyramid and blah 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 of course that's a pyramid you, life's a pyramid scheme you've had people in here scheme. like that I mean, I've had, I've, I've done, I've, I'll record a podcast for oh, any kind, other than a fucking racist. See, I, I, you know what I mean? I've, like, I've had, I had a bit of a, a heat for one of these guys, and I just, I actually, it was just giving me anxiety to have another argument with somebody. And in the end, I just went, you know what? I retracted and I said, "Fair play, to you. Sorry for getting on at you, because, like you say, a lot of these things, people say, I'm a millionaire. Look at how I've made all my money, and I'm going to teach you this at this growth seminar or this wealth seminar." And then what it turns out, they're being very clever and very entrepreneurial, but what they're actually making money from is the seminar. Because like you say, if you were making that much money, surely you wouldn't need to do a seminar, you could mm -hmm. do it for free. There's nothing wrong with monetizing it. And then people go, oh, but you're actually making all your money. So it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. Act like you're a successful businessman or business person, get them through the door and charge them 30, 40, 50 quid. And then you're, you're actually making more profit from that. And yes. That, that's fine. I, I, by the way, I think if there's a lot of goodness in there, if somebody, but I think if people just need to be a bit more honest, if they said, look, I might not be able to tell you how to be a millionaire, but what I can do is I can share some of my insight with you, things that you wouldn't maybe read in books, but I have been around a few multi-millionaires, not 10 or 20, but I've been around six or seven. Some very good friends, some people I know, and in my very brief experience, most people that are multi-millionaires have made the majority of their money doing pretty amoral things. A hundred percent. Which they are not going to, so, the, so what they do is, how did you make your money? They don't go, hey, well, what I did was I ripped the VAT off for fucking years, right? Bumped on my employees, took other national insurance after them. When I paid suppliers, I would pay suppliers after 120 days because most of them would go bust, right? And that's how I made my fucking money. Let me tell you that. What they're going to do instead is go, what I did is, is I got up every morning at 4am and then I did a cold bath and a cold shower. And if there was no cold bath or cold shower there, I would find a big puddle. Then I would go and meditate for... For saying, you fucking punt gear, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but... but that, and that's the thing. It's just, you just want a bit of honesty because I, I think, I see some of these people doing that. I think there's a lot of stuff you can do that I can't. So yeah. what amazing things I'm really and I'm really admire your confidence. I admire your entrepreneurial flair. You've got more confidence than I have. I, I have. I don't have the. I've got a bit of fear when it comes to that. But some people are meant to be. Some people. No, everyone's meant to be a manager. John Kennedy's not meant to be a manager, is he? He's. He's just. You know. Hopefully, he realizes I'm just a really good fucking number two. So yeah. not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur. It's all right to be a fucking really good. Assistant manager. Yeah. Right? yeah there's nothing to, wrong with that. Or assistant to the manager. So there is nothing wrong with that. It's like being a straight man for a comedian, isn't it? It's a it's a good thing. James, that's us done an hour, mate. Thank um you. I wish we could have spoke a bit more and I was gonna ask you about TikTok and stuff, but we can back another time if you want yes, to do another one. Yes, that's we we can. We all good, year. Paul? Absolutely, mate. I've really enjoyed the chat, mate. Thanks for coming on. Yes. Sorry for ranting. I feel like every time I come in here, I'm just like, I'm going to fucking get out of my chest. James, this is what this podcast is all about, mate. We talk shite, have a laugh, and Brilliant. it was well, nice. I, I very much enjoyed it. Thanks for, for having me on. Yes. And uh, I had a great night at Darren uh, Connell and the Funny Bunch. It was brilliant to finally gig yeah. you after all this uh, this time. So yeah, I've was... been trying to get you quite a lot, and it's always holidays or work or whatever. I, but, uh, it, mate, it was great that you came on, and you fucking smashed it as well. So good on you. Same with Dean and all, he smashed it. Um, that was a great night. I hope to be gigging with you more. Good luck with the stand tonight. And if people are watching and watching this and they would like to check you out, how do they get you? They can get me on Instagram at Comedy James mm -hmm. or they can get me on TikTok at James A. Cotter. As yes. in the Rabsin Isbit character, James A. Cotter. Yes. Well, thank you very much, mate. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Paul. As always, mate.
And thank you very much to Alan Argue for sponsoring the podcast. Again, if you're listening, drop us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.